Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast finds you well, and I hope you're all having a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and I just hope things are going well for you. I'm excited to continue our series today, where we're coming down to the last two episodes of this season of Thursday Thoughts, and I'm excited to bring you today's lesson because it's a topic that is particularly interesting to me, and I enjoy the study of it and of the, the history of it, and I say I enjoy it, it's not necessarily a good thing, these, this, this topic we're going to talk about today, but I think the history of it is important, especially considering the, the way our society is today. I mean, it's always kind of been this way, and that's something we'll talk about on this in this podcast episode today. But whereas today we see this very anti-Christian mindset, in, especially here in Western culture in the United States. And so the topic I'm talking about is persecution. I've always been, when I say interested, not interested in, <laughs> in, I'm not interested in persecution. I'd love for that stuff to stay away from me. But I've been interested in the history of it because I think it's encouraging in a way to see people who were so bold and so strong in their faith that they were willing to go to the lengths of being killed for their faith. And like, what faith does it take to have a mindset like that. And, you know, and I think about us today, especially, again, us in America and our in our culture over here, right? We're, we're so comfortable, we're so fat, and we're so lazy. Whereas, like, whenever hard times come, do we crumble and fold, or do we stand firm and trust in God? And that's, that's an interesting question, I think, especially because Jesus, I think, addresses it. And, you know, it's all, it's addressed all throughout the Bible about persecution and what our response should be and what we are to do and why we're persecuted. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about church history, just very briefly. And uh, if, if any of you are into church history or Christian tradition and like, like the old days, like really, really long time ago and stuff like that, if any of you guys are interested in studying that, maybe you'll know some of the stuff I'm about to talk about. But did you know that just about all of the disciples, well, let me clarify that more, every single one of the, that technically 13 disciples, because after Judas hung himself, um, Matthias, Matthias was, uh, however you pronounce it, was, was um, chosen to replace Judas. But all of them except for one was killed for their faith. All of them except one. And that's according to Christian and church history and just history itself, right? Um, and even, you know, Paul wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but Paul was killed for his faith, right? I mean, you can go to <laughs> Acts chapter uh, 7 and see Stephen, right? Stephen getting stoned for his faith, you know, and you see like, Throughout scripture and throughout Christian and church history, you've seen Christians being killed for their faith. And in particular, I think of the disciples, right? You talk about these guys who walked with Jesus and saw all the wonderful things he did. And, you know, even, you know, yeah, they, they all abandoned Jesus whenever Jesus was taken in the garden and stuff, but they all came back, of course, you know, and Jesus forgave them. And he, you know, and he told them that they were going to suffer for, not for abandoning him, but that they were going to suffer for his namesake. And they were ready to do that now because their faith had been strengthened, right? And so 
I think it's interesting, right? The only the only disciple who they were all killed for their faith, you know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, you know, all of them. You go down the list. And I think about, you know, John, John may not have been killed by persecution, but he was still persecuted. You know, I know Christian history has John being, I think, boiled alive, right? And then he was exiled on the island of Patmos, which is where he uh, wrote Revelation, right? Uh, He had the revelation of Jesus Christ where he wrote it and stuff, uh, our last book of the Bible. But anyway, the point I'm trying to get at is all these people who followed Jesus suffered and went through horrible things, horrible things. And so persecution is a big deal. And persecution is a word that None of us want, like I said, you know, when I say I've been interested in the, interested in this topic, it's not because I want to get persecuted by any means. I'd love to avoid that. But yet, the Bible almost guarantees, well, the Bible does guarantee, and we'll look at some of those passages. The Bible guarantees that if we're going to live a Christian life, and if we're going to bear the name of Christ and live for him, then we will go through persecution. That's in the Bible. And we're going to look at some of those passages today. And so I just kind of want to prep your mind, (laughs) prepare you, and I want you to be prepared for what we're going to talk about today and this beatitude that Jesus talks about. And it's going to be kind of odd to think of it this way. But again, Jesus, you know, we wouldn't think of, you know, fortunate are those who are persecuted because we're like, it's not fun to be persecuted. And I don't think that's the idea. The idea is not that it's fun or that it's, you know, fortunate that we're going through it, but It's the spiritual side of it. Physically, it is not fortunate, but spiritually, and what it means for us. Again, because Jesus came and established a spiritual kingdom with the Beatitudes, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right? And so, we come down to the eighth Beatitude, where we see, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, or fortunate are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first seven Beatitudes are about what is expected of a Christian living out the kingdom culture. This Beatitude tells you what will happen when you want to be Christ-like. Jesus is not careless with his words. He is very clear about who is fortunate and why. And I think it's important that we mention here, it's not persecution if we do something silly or dumb, even if it is maybe a Christian thing. I think if you are living the Beatitudes right, and if you're living your faith right, you will face persecution. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's supported through Scripture, and we're going to look at some passages. Why? Because light and darkness have nothing in common. Light and darkness have nothing in common. Right? Jesus is the light of the world, and in this world there's only darkness. And if we're going to be right after the Beatitudes, right, we see where Jesus says, you know, salt and light, and he tells us to be a city set on a hill and let our light shine. When the light shines out in the darkness, it stands out and it looks different. And people don't like that. People want you to conform. When I say people... I'm not trying to, because again, like we talked about early, early, early in this season, we talked about how people are not the enemy. Yeah, sometimes people attack you, but they're not the enemy. Sin and the devil and the evil powers at work are the enemy. 
And so, sadly, people corrupted by sin, they don't like it when the light shines because sin and darkness and the devil do not like it when the light shines. And so they do everything they can to persecute and to hurt those who shine their lights to try to get them to dim their light. There's a little kid song we sing, right? You know, this little Christian light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? Not going to hide it under a bush. And I won't let a Satan it out, right? And blow it out. We let that light shine, regardless of persecution, regardless of what comes. But the thing is, is that it will come. Because lightness and darkness have nothing in common. And so the question is, what is righteous living? And so this Greek word righteous that we translate in English as righteous, it kind of means to cause someone to be in proper or right relation with someone else, to put right with, to cause to be in a right relationship with. You know, pretty, pretty straightforward, this Greek word here. And so, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, Right for living righteously, you know what, however, whatever you want to, however you want to word it, you know, because of righteousness. That's how the wording is in the ESV. Fortunate are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And so, what that means, you know, according to this Greek definition, to be in proper relationship. So, my righteousness is determined by my relationship with Christ. If I have a good relationship with Christ, then I'm living in righteousness, right? And so if I'm persecuted for being righteous, that means I'm being persecuted for having a good relationship with Christ and for living for Christ, right? Righteousness is more than just being good, right? It indicates a whole orientation of life towards God and his will. You know, and such a life is conspicuous and so attracts persecution. You know, I think of all of these characteristics which... Jesus labels as blessed, you know, we're looking at all the Beatitudes. All of these Beatitudes that Jesus labels as blessed or fortunate are usually not welcomed in the world at large. Hostility may arise against Jesus' followers, but even persecuted people are seen by Christ as fortunate. This persecution, however, must not be the result, or excuse me, this persecution, however, must be the result of living righteously and not due to our individual sin or tactlessness or self-righteousness, right? Because a lot of times we get in trouble because we're being self-righteous, not righteous in God's eyes. You know, a lot of times we think we're right about something, but maybe God is really telling us to let that go and it's really not that deep. Let your ego and your pride go, right? And we've looked at some of these things in the Beatitudes. And so again, that's what this whole podcast series has been about is about how Christianity and culture, right, and living in this world today. And we have to remember that we are not of this world. We're, we may be in the world, but we're not of the world. That's what Jesus tells us. And we have to remember that. And we have to realize that because we live differently and because we're going to act a little bit differently, that's going to draw attention. And sometimes it's a lot of negative attention because people don't like it. And so remember, we are persecuted because of Christ. There is a difference between being self-righteous and righteous for Christ's sake. Self-righteous is when we think we are right and we feel we need to defend our convictions. Righteousness for Christ's sake may sometimes mean letting go of your ego. 
That is why we need to always walk in step with the Holy Spirit and abide in His Word to understand the will of the Lord and to understand what is worth defending and what is not worth defending and understanding the difference between what the Bible says versus what I want. And so what does what does persecution look like on a day-to-day basis, right? You know, not everyone will be called to be a martyr or to go to jail for your faith, etc. Yet our convictions are challenged daily, right? This is one way how we're persecuted, right? You know, doing what is asked without, you know, messing anything up, being asked to tell those you know, white lies to cover up for missed deadlines or when your family taunts you for your faith or threatens to disown you. You know, some people may have to go through things like that. You know, that's what persecution can look like today. Also, persecution can look like for for kids in school or or for even you in the workplace, uh, people who don't share the faith you have and, you know, you wear a a God is greater than the ups and down t-shirt to work or to school and then people start picking fun and you're like, you believe in that, that mess? That's a bunch of hocus pocus stuff. That's not real, you know. And so sometimes you get teased and picked on for believing in Christ. And there are still some people in certain parts of the world that if they openly profess I can't talk. If they openly profess Christ, it can cause co- it can risk it can cost them their life. You know, in some places of the world, there is still very much persecution for people who claim to be Christians, and they'll be thrown in prisons, and they'll be, you know, at the very least, you know, they could be killed for their faith. And so, persecution is very much real. And it makes me think about last night, last night uh, at our Wednesday Bible class, I I did a short little devotional on First uh, Peter 5, talking about um, be sober-minded and watchful You're at, for your adversary. The devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we've, we've mentioned that passage earlier in this season, too, whenever we were talking about are we at war and stuff like that. And we see our adversary, the devil, is compared to a lion, an apex ambush predator, right? And so an, an apex ambush predator is really good at what it does, right? It's really good at what it does. And if you're not careful and you're slipping out in your faith and you get caught isolated in your faith and you get caught isolated from the church body and the Christian body and the body of Christ, you know, that's when the devil will get you because he's a predator and he's hunting. And how does he hunt? He uses all his resources and all his ability and he's a truly spiritual demonic force that's after us. It's after everyone. It's after you. It's after me. It's after our kids. It's after your parents. It's after whoever. Anybody. And he's hunting. And so he'll use people in this world corrupted by sin and he'll use the powers of this world to persecute us and to try to take us down and to try to hurt our faith and make us doubt that God's there. But we have to remember the promises of Scripture. And so, you know, yeah, maybe maybe persecution is getting made fun of at work or at school. Maybe persecution for some people is being, you know, your family won't have anything to do with you because you believe in Jesus. Maybe maybe persecution for some of you is the fact that you actually get 
hurt or your life is threatened or, you know, etc. You know, persecution takes hold in a number of ways. It, it, it's, um, not take hold, sorry. Persecution takes different forms and it looks different for different people. But persecution is something that's going to happen as a Christian, at least if we're living righteously for God, right? And so we kind of talked a little bit about what does it look like on a day-to-day basis. Why? I mean, look at our, real quick before I jump into that next point, look at our, look at our, um, our world today. I mean, our, our, <laughs> our media, our media presence attacks Christianity any, t- any chance it can. Uh, on social media, right, our, our, our keyboard warriors out there and stuff like that. People, people attack Christianity any chance they get. People attack Christ. People attack us for believing in Christ and for being Christians, and that's persecution. Why does that happen? Because Jesus is different and because lightness has nothing in common with darkness. And everything is dark if it does not have Christ. Christ is the light. And so why do you get persecuted? Why would anyone have something against a meek person or against someone who shows mercy or the pure in heart or, for that matter, a peacemaker? Why would someone get mad at a peacemaker? Because there are two responses to righteous living. It can provoke someone to want to know the hope to which you were called. Or it can provoke persecution because... They cannot deal with their guilty conscience. So the two responses, it can provoke someone to want to know what you're talking about, right, and be curious. And we see this in Scripture. Or it can provoke persecution because people cannot deal with their guilty conscience and they want nothing to do with Christ because it's going to challenge the way they want to live and it's going to change their values and they want to hold on to the things that they want to hold on to. I mean, look at Jesus. When Jesus was walking around preaching and teaching, right? Jesus didn't do anything wrong. I mean, Pilate, you know, they they brought him before Pilate, right? The Roman governor of, you know, the Middle East over there, or at least in Judah, in Jerusalem. And, you know, he's like, he's like, he's he's trying to get these people to see that this man hasn't done anything. And the people would rather release a murderer. In you know, with Barabbas and Jesus, right? They got to release one, and they chose the murderer. Why? Because they decided to go with that second reaction. People, it provoked them because they could not deal with what Jesus was saying. They could not handle the truth. And so they killed the Son of God. Granted, it was all part of God's divine plan to save us. And a lot of those same people who were chanting crucify were saved on the day of Pentecost. And I think that's a beautiful thing to show the love and the mercy of God. Jesus saying, you know, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. We don't know what we're doing. We need Christ to help guide us. We need God to help guide us. And so Jesus didn't do anything wrong. But yet, he still had people who didn't like him. Why? Because what Jesus said was challenging. It challenged people's values. It challenged what people wanted. It challenged 
the culture of the day. And it always will because Christianity is not of this world and it never will be. And so that's why we get persecuted, right? I think about what Jesus says in John 15, right? If the world hates you, know that it hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not, have be, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. John 15, 18 through 25. And so we see there Jesus, Jesus is talking about these, same, these concepts that we're talking about. And again, these concepts we're talking about come from what Jesus is saying because he is the soul of our faith. And so Jesus comes out and says it, right? You know, we talked about how people are provoked to persecution because they cannot deal with their guilty conscience. Jesus says this, just the same thing, just in a different way, right? He says, you know, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin because Jesus said it very plainly. That's the thing about like the Beatitudes and the New Testament in general, the Sermon on the Mount, all these Bible passages. They are not hard to understand in concept, but they are hard to carry out in our lives because it causes us to change. We have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our will. We have to die to our way. We have to live for Jesus, and we have to live for God and not live for myself and what I want, but I have to live for God. That's what's hard about it, and it calls people out in their sinful lifestyles, right? Jesus did it with love and gentleness and respect, but it still calls you out where you are, and I think we've missed a lot of that today because we're allowing this. Our culture today is very, you know, it's very, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, I'm just going to say our, our culture allows people to be whatever they want. And that's not a biblical concept. We are who God made us to be, and we need to be ourselves. And our identity is in God and in Christ, and we need to live for Him, and we need to stand up for our faith, do it with love and gentleness and respect, because whenever we preach truth in a loving and gentle way, it will still convict people because Jesus convicted people, right? He did it in a loving way, but he always used uh, parables and stuff and stories to talk about the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders and how they were not doing the things that they should have been doing. And why did Jesus do that? He wasn't trying to make fun of them or make them angry, make them feel bad. He wanted them to repent and be changed and lead Israel the way that they were supposed to. That's what he wanted. But because they were hard of heart and they didn't want to change their ways and because they were guilty 
and they understood what Jesus was saying and they didn't want to change, they hated Jesus for it. And so that's why Jesus says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Know it hated me first. And Jesus says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, then they will also keep yours. And what Jesus is saying there is basically, you know, the people who love me and listen to my word, they'll listen to you when you talk to them. But the people who persecuted me because of my word, they're going to persecute you too. Because you're no better, like, because Jesus is saying the servant's not greater than the master. What Jesus is saying is just, like, if the master went through these things, the servants are going to go through it too, right? That's an easy concept to understand. It's just hard for us to practice and to think about in our lives. And in 1 John 3.13, John repeats this message that he heard from Jesus, and he says in 1 John 3.13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. And in that passage, he's talking about love and so on and so forth anyway. But John repeats it. And so John remembered what Jesus told him. And John is passing it along to us and to other Christians that he was writing to. So don't be surprised, my friends. And so I'm speaking to you. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. Don't be surprised when you go out to the Walmart or to Target or to Sprouts or to wherever you're going and you're wearing a Christian t-shirt that you get eyeballs and people make nasty looks at you and stuff like that. Or maybe you even get comments about, you know, you really believe in that junk and people almost bash you like, how dumb could you be to believe in that? You know, don't be surprised when that happens. That's, that's the cost of following Jesus. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It seems like Jesus guaranteed it. John remembered that guarantee and taught it to others. Paul sees it and guarantees it. I mean, Paul went through a lot too, right? Paul ended up being beheaded, according to Christian tradition. John, in, you know, John, we, we read John or 1 John 3, 13, and we saw that he, you know, I think we may have mentioned it earlier, I can't remember, but, you know, he may have been the only disciple not to be killed for his faith, but he was still tortured for his faith, right? Christian, Christian tradition has him being boiled alive, and then he was exiled on the island of Patmos where he got, where he wrote Revelation, he had the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then Paul, 2 Timothy 3.12, right, where he talks about, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He lived that, right? You can see in Scripture were times where Paul was stoned and basically left for dead, and Paul had a thorn in his side that, that he had to deal with and stuff like that. And so I think a good way to realize how we're doing in our faith is, are we, are we facing any persecution? Because all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that doesn't mean like you're going to be having, like you need to make sure that people are wanting to kill you to know you're a good Christian. No, I don't think that's the idea. But persecution comes in different ways. Like maybe in the workplace people are on you or at, at school or at home or fill in the blank. But if we're going to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, we will face persecution. 
because Jesus was persecuted. And we are not, the servants are not greater than the master. Peter, again, one of Jesus' disciples who was killed for his faith, in 1 Peter 4, 12-14, he writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And so Peter is reminding the people he's writing to, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised whenever you come under the fiery trial to test you, because persecution comes. Trials and tribulations come because darkness and light have nothing in common. And so the question is, is how should we respond to persecution? We need to rejoice and be glad because we suffer the same fate as Jesus. We must bless them, pray for them, do good to them, and remind yourself these troubles are but for a while. 2 Corinthians 4.17 There is persecution at the individual level and then at the church level. Many churches and ministers are persecuted for their faith around the world. And Christians are persecuted for their faith around the world at the individual level as well, besides just the global church. The Christian calling is a great one. It is the highest and the most challenging one you will ever have to live up to. And that's hard to do. Like I said, easy to understand in concept, harder to do. How do you respond to persecution? Be rejoice and be glad? I wouldn't be glad if I'm over here getting whipped for professing Jesus, right? I wouldn't be happy about that. I don't don't really think Paul was smiling and, yeah, maybe he was. (laughs) But, you know, it's hard for me to imagine being happy when you're getting stoned or when you're facing ridicule from people and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think it's the moments. Like, in the moment, I obviously could see where you're not very happy and you're rejoicing. But after the fact, right? I remember in Acts... Oh, it's Acts 4 or 5. Uh, you you guys will have to go try to find the story and uh, see which one it is. But I know it's in Acts chapter 4 or 5 where Peter and... Uh, oh, was it James and John with him? Anyway, sorry. Uh, but I know Peter. They, they heal a man who's sitting in front of the temple, and then the, they're brought before the Sanhedrin, this Jewish council of religious people, because they're like, uh, by what name did you heal this guy? And, you know, they're like, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you persecute, you know. And Peter starts kind of preaching to him there, um, and then they didn't want anything to hear with it, and then they were, they were wanting to kill him and stuff, but uh, Gamaliel, who was a wise a wise guy... He told them, you know, well, let's just see how this plays. If it's from God, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And if it's not from God, then it'll get thwarted out. And so, but what they did, they had Peter and the other disciples that were with him flogged, which is like beaten with these sticks, and then sent out on their way. And then whenever they left, so all Peter and them did, they healed a guy. They healed a guy. You think people would be happy about that? Again, but it's because of the name in which they did it, because of Jesus' name. They were persecuted. And then they ended up being flogged and beaten for it. 
And then they left rejoicing and happy because they were able to suffer for the name of Christ. I think that's the idea. I doubt they were happy when they were getting flogged, but when they left, they, they, were, they rejoiced because they were worthy enough to suffer for the name of Christ. And that's how we should respond, is just thinking, you know, when you do go through these fiery trials, realize that it's an honor and a privilege, and it's great that we are worthy enough to suffer for the name of Christ. That's the mindset we are to have. And how can you take courage during persecution? Remember Romans 8. Romans 8 is one of the most beautiful, hopeful passages in all the Bible. In Romans chapter 8, I'm just going to read two verses of it. Uh, Paul writes, And if children, if we're children with Christ, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So, again, we have to suffer with him to be glorified with him. And then Paul says one of the most beautiful verses, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And that is the hope that we have, is that if we share in everything that Jesus wants us to share in him with, we will also share in a glory like his. And yeah, the sufferings in this life could be bad, and they may be pretty bad, some of the persecution and the suffering that you'll face in this life. However, as Paul said, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us and to us. You know, most of us probably won't live to be 100 years old. You know, I'm, I'm 24, I'll be 25 at the end of the year. I've probably already lived a quarter of my life, if not more. You know, I don't know how much time I have on this earth. Our time here is but a speck in the grand scheme. What are we going to do with our speck of time? This world and the culture around us is dark, and it wants to make those few years we have miserable and terrible. But Jesus wants to make them full of love and laughter and life and fulfillment. Yeah, persecution will come with it, but it's truly fulfilling and there's nothing like it. That is the life that we're called to. And that is the life that we need to live. And so I think about how this relates to our world today. We need to remember that this world is not our home. Our home is a spiritual place. Our home is with God, not here. We're foreigners in a foreign land, and we're all on our way home. And we need to live that way and be different. And the thing is, is when we live these beatitudes and we live scripture and we live the faith that we profess, it will draw attention, sometimes unwanted attention. But how wonderful it is to suffer for Christ's sake. And what a, what a goal to strive toward. And so are we being Christians that are just dunking down in the foxhole of the spiritual battle and not taking any risks so that we don't have to feel any of the heat of the fire of the battle? 
Or are we out there in the front lines and are we charging into this fight and trying to represent Christ in the best way we can despite persecution, despite the tough trials that come with it? And so as we conclude, I want, to, I want you to reflect and ask yourself a few questions and think about it. Have you ever been mocked for your faith? And if you haven't, why? Have you ever lost relationships because of a misplaced zeal for the gospel because we were being self-righteous? Were you not sensitive and your speech ungracious? Because it's happened, it's happened to people, and you learn from it. But we have to remember that self-righteousness is not the righteousness of God. What can we do to live more for Christ? Are you being persecuted right now? If not, why not? I'm not I'm not saying everyone needs to want to go out here and get persecuted. You know, like I said, no one's out here just being like, oh, stone me, stone me, you know, I believe in Jesus. You know, no one's doing that. The apostles weren't doing that, but they preached truth so boldly, the persecution came. And so we need to make sure that we're teaching the truth of Jesus boldly. Because if we do that, people will be saved. And it'll also bring persecution. But saving one's soul, and it's not that we're doing the saving, Jesus saves. We're just bringing the message to them. But even if we have to go through years and a lifetime of persecution to know that we were able to at least bring the gospel to one soul and that they were saved and gave their life to Christ, that is worth it. At least that's the mindset we should have. So fortunate are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Does this beatitude describe you? Well, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I want to thank you for listening and I pray that this is just a benefit to you all. God bless. You all have a great rest of your week.